Where is this Musgrave Manor? Down the road a piece. You'll see it when you pass the old iron gates. Only don't loiter. You won't be welcome. Not by the Musgraves. Been sitting there. Lords of the manor ever since time was. If those old walls could speak, they'd tell you things that raise the air on your head. There's folks hereabouts swear they've seen corpse lights round the old greenhouse and heard a wailing like lost souls in the lime walk. Yeah, I want no part of it. Nor of the Musgraves, neither. Hard men, like them as was before them. Cruel men. God pity them. For the day is coming when they'll need pity. Welcome back to The Bloody Pit. I am Rod Barnett, and tonight with me are my two Sherlock Holmes buddies. Mm-hmm. At least that's what we've kind of turned into here, a trio. Uh, across from me, Troy Gwynn. How you doing, Troy? I'm good. I'm very good. And across from him and from me, Beth Morris, or Elizabeth Morris. I guess we're going with Beth. Beth is good. I'm good with that. Today, you're pumpkin spice, according oh, to your pumpkin shirt. spice. Yes. It is that time. It is. Our that fall time. is in the air. We're ready to watch something. We're ready to watch spooky stuff. Yes. <laughs> you must pumpkin as much as you can, <laughs> as you can stand. Is that the, exactly. What was the, well, I was listening to something today, and someone said they discovered that there's no pumpkin in pumpkin spice. And he, just, he said, I was depressed for a week. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess I, I, I kind of get it. I, I hadn't really thought about it myself, and so I started to get depressed. But anyway, <laughs> we are here tonight to continue in the long string of universal horror films made in the 1940s and the subset of them that are the Sherlock Holmes films that Universal produced in the 1940s. We finally return to in by Jove, we've got it. <laughs> We're finally to the fourth movie, which is where we get a little... Uh, a little creepy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are we are leaving behind the uh, the trappings of the contemporary times in which these mm-hmm. films were made. We're moving into Creepyville. Yeah, even gothic. Yeah, exactly. Some <laughs> gothic. There's gothic flavor in this thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would just point out that this movie actually really only has three locations right. that it takes place in. Right. Which is uh, uh, a brief period of time in two two one B Baker Street, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Musgrave ca- home castle, right, yeah. uh, also known as Halstead Hall, and then uh, the pub. Yeah, which is set on the, the the classic Universal, you know, the the the, the Universal town like lot that we see in so many Universal uh-huh. horror films. There, that uh, the town square. And the uh, what what's kind what's kind of cool is that a couple of uh, places in this, uh, a couple of locations, like when they walk to the pub. Mm-hmm. That's the the village built originally for Frankenstein. Right, that's what I'm. I get that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Is yeah, that yeah. Village, the village. Yeah, the village. That's the word I was looking I for. I yeah. actually love the greenhouse, and it looks like it's like completely different set. But they've got it all. If you look closely, all the trees are in pots, but they've located them in such a way that they don't look like they're all in pots. Oh, I didn't even thought about that. Very cool. Did yeah. you? Did, did you not notice? notice? I did yeah, not know. Yeah. I did not. Uh, that's very huh. cool. 
Well, I, I was every time I watch this, I keep thinking to myself that are, are we going to go inside the greenhouse? I was like, no, because then they had to, they would have had to build another set. <laughs> we're not doing that. We have an exterior, and that is all. But it's, it's cool. But I was like, I kept looking, and every time we watched, I was like, yeah, those are. Those are all in pots. They can be moved anywhere. <laughs> These are mobile mobile plants. That's called a set. <laughs> <laughs> well, at any rate, this is uh, Sherlock Holmes Faces Death, uh, released September 17th, 1943. I get a kick out of that title just because it's so... I mean, you, could you find a more generic... I mean, that, 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 literally, literally that name could apply to every single film in this series. <laughs> Sherlock but Holmes he, Faces Death. He does. He does in the, he in does the third indeed. act of this he intentionally does. put himself in a position to face someone <laughs> holding a gun on him. So. Okay, and it was never any other title, right? That was always the title? Not to the best of my knowledge, okay. yeah. I don't think so. Okay. Why? Cool. Did you think it was going to be something else? No, I, I just... I was thinking that we'll get to one of the characters later, but... It was like the voice of Tara, the face of death. I thought, <laughs> oh, we just oh, go on. I see what you're <laughs> in that, could have been that. called that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this this one's pretty cool. This one is one of the films that uh, they were kind of contractually obligated to uh, to do, which is that they found a way to somehow base this film on one of the original mm-hmm. original uh, Conan Doyle stories, and the, in this case, it is the Musk, the Adventures. The Adventure of the Musgrave Ritual, yeah, uh, which uh, you know they have to change around quite a bit. Uh, and, and actually, I thought that this is they retain a good bit. They did. This is one of the um, times that they actually used the best part of the original story. I thought it was it, it took all the best parts and kind of scooped out some of the stuff that wasn't real strong, like. Actually, to me, the original bad guy, the original yeah. butler, mm-hmm. he, he, he kind of, it wasn't that good of a bad guy. And I liked this take. I know the butler here turns out to be kind of a weak lush, but still that take on it to me was good because of some of the other things that they, they did with it. So I will not have you bad-mouthing Brunton. <laughs> Our poor butler character. Poor Brian. He's a sauced. Yeah, that that actor. He, there there came a point in his career when he was he just played butlers. I know it's just probably what he said on his card. Before, butler. Before that point. Before butler that point. <laughs> before that point in his career, he played like you know military guys mm-hmm. and you know stiff mm-hmm. upper lip types, mm-hmm. and then after that, he was just butler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost everything that he did. <laughs> but you know. Go with what works. If it's going right. to get you a paycheck, what the hell? Um, this, as, as excited as I was to to finally get to one of the scary ones, I will have to admit on the top here that this one is not as, uh, on a rewatch, this one's not one that I enjoy as much as some of the later ones in the series, mm-hmm. but it is really fun. And yeah. uh, the, the the neat thing, and before we go too far, I wanted to point this out. Um if you've seen the film, and if you haven't seen the film, go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's an hour and eight minutes. It's not going to hurt you. Go watch the thing. We'll still Pause be talking us. when you. By the time you get back, oh god, to, probably to so. Go watch the thing. Now, now that you're back, um, a certain set piece in this film revolves around using that Musgrave ritual as a series of clues mm. to direct moves on a chessboard, mm. which in this film. They actually literalize into a large human-sized chessboard that's laid out on the floor. And that's 
Go ahead. And that's not the story. No, it's not. It's not. No, there that's is an invention, there is, there that's is an invention a, of the screenplay. There's a clues that they, because it's based around a tree in the story. Correct. It's so much more interesting, I think, what they, I think it's great what they changed it and made it so much more interesting here than I think in the original story. I mean, the story's good. I, I enjoy it, but I think for visual sake, I mean, I think it's much cooler what they did oh, with, with, with the yeah. human chessboard. Well, yeah. this, this is something. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. That's one of the, that's one of the main reasons that I think it actually improves on the original story because the actual ritual, the, the clues to get to where they're going, it's kind of basic in the book. And this is makes it much more complicated. Yeah. And so it makes it a little mm-hmm. bit more interesting. And it gives them a great set shot they mm-hmm. ha- that mm-hmm. the way that they filmed that chessboard mm-hmm. playing out it's awesome I, that yeah. was my favorite part of the entire film well i gotta say that uh if you've watched enough movies and television over the years you have seen something similar to that right uh, most famously for me anyway uh, uh the episode checkmate of the prisoner television series from mm-hmm. the, from the, late, from right. the late 1960s uh and t- you know that has you know human beings playing 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 uh, chess pieces? Uh, of course, the the very famous uh, sequence in uh, Mel Brooks' History of the World Part One, mm-hmm. yeah, things of that nature. But it's, it's been done a lot. But this film, as far as I can tell, may be the first time that it was ever done in be. cinema. Maybe really, yeah, yeah. I've I can find no reference that gives me any indicator that this was hap- that this happened in an earlier. Mm-hmm. Movie that may have, mm-hmm. it, Lord knows I haven't. You know, I, I don't have all the reference books, but at the same time, I think that's the first time this was done. Mm-hmm. And so, anything that comes after this is probably in one way or another referencing the idea from here. Not that I think it's, you know, impossible that it was that it was mm-hmm. done before, but I just I can't find a reference to it anywhere. Well, it's done well, and that was another thing. They took the actual ritual from the Mus- Musgrave ritual and rewrote it. And I like the original ritual that they that was in the the book. Yeah. Oh yeah. But this one was really good. I love yes. the way that they. I mean, it it's it's real well written point. It's, you know, it's actually really creepy. I yeah. mean, the scene where and, where the reading where Hillary Brooks reading. Yeah. I mean, that's actually really effective writing there. Mm-hmm. You know, this with or like, without the lightning strike. Yeah. 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 And then yeah. you know, and then they worked in the chess moves, and uh-huh. you know, I thought it was mm-hmm. a great piece of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. So, well, let, let's let, let's go through let's go through a few things. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the fact that this definitely is moving while trying to remain contemporary mm-hmm. because they kind of have to because that was the whole point of Universal doing these is trying is they always seem to try to update it. the movies that were done in the twenties took place in the nineteen the, the mm-hmm. movies that were made in the nineteen twenties took place in the nineteen twenties. There's always been an advancement of when these stories are taking place, when Sherlock Holmes lived, when when he was a vital private detective doing what he was doing. But at the same time, this movie starts that wonderful thing that I love and that we've noticed in so many of the Universal horror films, which is blurring the period in which the mm-hmm. film takes place. A lot, yeah. a lot yeah. of blurring yeah. in yeah. this. Yeah. So we get, uh, and then of course in this, it's it's fairly easy. The the bits that that point toward 19, it being 1943, are pretty obvious. We're uh, in the Musk. We're in the. Uh, I keep wanting to refer to it as Musgrave Manor, mm-hmm. but uh, as you know, Halstead Hall, I think, is probably mm-hmm. what they continually refer to it as. And uh, the reason that we're there and why Doctor Watson is there at the beginning of the story is because he has been brought in by the military to oversee the recuperation. 
mm-hmm. of three particular soldiers, mm-hmm. uh, actually four. And uh, one of them's an American, mm-hmm. and he's a short little bugger. We'll get, yeah. we'll talk to, we'll talk about <laughs> yeah. him later because we've seen him before. Matter of fact, we've seen most of these actors before, and mm-hmm. even in just the Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. movies, we've seen a lot of these actors before. But the only nod toward it being 1943 and the war going on are these soldiers who are recuperating uh, various forms of PTSD. Although, of course, that's not what it was referred to at the time. Mm-hmm. It was called being nuts. No, uh, <laughs> shell shock. Shell shock. Shell shock. Exactly. Which I thought was really interesting that that they put that chose to focus on that element of yeah. the war because that's not necessarily a common the idea was to boost morale most of these films was to not kind of dwell on the the more negative aspects oh. of, of war and the fact that that's really I thought that was one of the really interesting choices here among several choices of things that well, I think like would not be to, coming to they're kind of yeah. trying to, to have their cake and eat it too on that because mm-hmm. these guys you know they haven't had a limb blown off Right, sure. They're not going like mangled. They're not showing yeah. like disfigured faces, exactly. that sort of thing. Exactly. They're one just becoming centric. They've become more more British eccentric. It's like the war turned even eccentric. more. Eccentric. They become knitters. Yes, yeah, they became knitters. Yes. <laughs> he, be, he became a knitter. Obviously, potty. <laughs> well, yeah. And then the one guy's got the, the facial tick. Oh, I love that facial tick. Is just yeah. Such and, a, and, and what was the, the third Brit? What was it? What was his? What was his weirdness? I don't even remember. Oh, that's right. That's right. He couldn't. He, he couldn't. He couldn't. Um, yeah, he was constantly thinking he was going to have to escape from someplace. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So okay, okay. So we've got these, you know, these little personality quirks that essentially could just be, you know, upper crust, Brit- upper crust British mm-hmm. lunatic mm-hmm. thing that he learned from his father, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play along with that. But that's that's it. Everything mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. could be taking place anywhere from the eighteen nineties yeah. to the nineteen forties. Yeah. At at at. at and and they 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 make that perfect move where so much of the film takes place in an old gothic manner. Yeah, <laughs> where, yeah, yeah. Where we can have you know the suits of armor sitting in the corner, yeah, of course, yes. and we you know we have all of the 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 crenellated mm-hmm. uh, woodwork and all of the the we have all of those yeah. the trappings. Plus, although this movie does not sport a good graveyard, it does have the crypt. From Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did, yes, it did. Or, wait a minute, no, it's the crypt from, I think it's the crypt that they use in Dracula, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's from Dracula. It's a pretty cool crypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. So, you know, mm-hmm. just ladle on the atmosphere, yeah. ladle oh, well. on the gothic. Well, I mean, your whole opening scene of the big gates of the, you know, oh, I know. Open, and the winds just, I mean, boy, the wind blows there. When it blows, it blows. And it's a wonder to blow those sets. Matte down. paintings this, yeah, in this thing are really good. Yeah, I love, the, I I love, love the them. Painting they're the very. Back there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah they're really, mm-hmm. they really trying to sell it. They oh, gothed it up. Before we get any further, <laughs> can we all, like, uh, take a moment to appreciate uh, the end of the comb forward? The end of yes. Sherlock Holmes? Oh, finally. Yay. Finally. Yes. Super Finally, happy. they combed his basil's hair back oh like it should be, and we don't have the comb. Didn't look like a weasel yet. had slept in his head. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look like someone standing behind him with a fan pushing his hair forward. Yeah. Yes, it's like a bad that. idea that lasted for like at least three films. They finally get rid of it. No, oh god, yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go ahead and shoehorn something in here. Another ahead. thing that they did was they kept the costumes kind of neutral. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, so sure that was is. another thing, and. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. I have wanted to talk about Vera West forever. Yeah. Okay. And ever because she, every time I watch movie, Vera West, Vera West, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, so she did, did the, this she did woman the... work on every <laughs> yeah. fi- 
And her department worked on a whole lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. She was the. She ended up being the costume director at uh-huh. Universal, and uh, she had a. Far, for what I can tell, she was one of the few women who ever got that high up in Universal in the costume, costuming, and uh, she did. Uh, she did the bride for the the bride of Frankenstein's gown, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the most famous dresses ever is Ava Gardner's the killer dress, the one with the oh, black. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she did that. Those so wow. Those were like two of her most well known uh, designs, and I just I've always it just every yeah. time I watched the Universal, it was like, <laughs> but even not even just Universal, she did everything. It was like, what did this woman do? Was she just well, is this a fake name for 15 <laughs> people that <laughs> did costuming? But no, she was a real person. And uh, she has a very interesting life. Oh, how she, so? Um, You're she, telling me she's an immortal and she's still alive? Yes, <laughs> she may be. She uh, uh, <laughs> No, um, her uh, life ended tragically in what pretty much seems to be an unsolved murder. Um, hmm. Yeah, she started out in New York and she has this kind of sh- not shady past but this this weird past where it looks like there may have been shady things because she was in New York and then all of a sudden something happened she was married in New York and she suddenly just picked up and went clear across the country and there's no record of her ever what happened to that so there's no record of a divorce yes and then she ends up in you know out here in California and then she does all this great stuff and moves up in Universal um, and she was taken under the wing of a person in New York who got her started, but I'm not sure, you know, what the scandal was, but she ended up in, in, in California and then she came up and obviously got successful in money and ended up married to what seems to be maybe a shady character who had many aliases. Hmm. Hmm. Jacques, his name was Jacques, but they called him Jack. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one night she ended up dead in her pool. Hmm. And uh, he had, he Not told. The of Sunset I was just thinking that. <laughs> yeah, and he told everybody he had been. He told the first story he told was he was off on a business trip, and then he told that he had they had had a fight and he had driven well, what, off. What year was this? I can't remember. She was only forty-seven. Oh my lord! Then he said, "No, I just was going to drive to Santa Barbara, but then I, I decided it was t- I was too tired and I stopped and I slept in my car." Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's starting hmm. to sound a little hinky. Yeah. 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 So yeah. she went the way of Brian Jones and uh, the Rolling yeah. Stones, and yeah. all in the same circumstances, a mysterious and, death in the pool. But and they never George act. Reeves. George Reeves. Yeah. yeah. It's like well, so as there needs to be there needs to be a book or a movie about this and all. This oh, there like this, this sounds. Like, oh well, not about. Vera I'm, I'm talking West. about Vera West. Yeah. yeah no, there needs to be. There needs, this but, sounds like it should be a, a film or something. I mean. It, it, they all wrote it off as suicide, and he talked any, everybody into believing that she was batty, a little mm-hmm. bit batty, and that she had persecution complex, okay. and that mm-hmm. that's why they were having their marriage was dissolving, it was going downhill, and they were fighting. So, but he, I don't know if he talked them into it or who, or they just didn't want to deal with the scandal or what was hushed. I don't know what happened, but they didn't even ask anybody. They worked with her at the studio. Anything they just declared it suicide, and wow. went on about the business. Jeez. Yeah, it didn't even get any. Wow, just, man! You know, 
We need yeah. we need Sherlock Holmes of the case. I was gonna say we got a mystery within a mystery. And, you know, we have a mystery film. We got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was like, and and the, even part what was interesting was was reading about her death and and one doctor or coroner said it was suicide, but then the other one wouldn't sign it. So he never mm. signed the thing saying that it was an accidental death mm. or suicide. Really. So it's yeah. still just an open case. It's not open. No, no, they they closed it. They said it was a suicide. Oh, they declared. Okay. They made. They managed to get it, but as soon as she was declared suicide and there was no investigation, he immediately sold the house Her and husband. everything in it mm-hmm. and had it rasped to the ground and disappeared. Oh, hmm. that's yeah, that's pretty suspect. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I'm sure he he put his he put his hand to his forehead and. In a in a dazed manner, when I just I need to move on and erase all of the <laughs> erase all of the the horrible memories of this yeah. this this relationship and all of the evidence of my guilt and move on. But yeah, right. Man. Sorry, well, I, I wanted to insert that. I, 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 no problem. I'll just edit it out. Okay, thanks. <laughs> No, oh, speaking of pool deaths, uh, is it uh, who is it that's buried? Uh, supposedly, it was buried, or was not supposedly, but whose guy killed him and put him under the pool? Was that uh, the director? Uh, was that uh, oh, was God. it Milligan? No, it was, Adamson. It was Al Adamson. Adamson. Yeah. Adamson. Yeah, Al Adamson. Yes, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a story for another time. <laughs> Just thinking of pool Al, deaths Al, in or under a pool. And all Al Adamson. Al Adamson's. God, I can't even say his name. <laughs> Al Adamson's death. Was mm. much more interesting than any of his films. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That sounds cruel, <laughs> but I'm willing to stand up in court and swear yeah. to that. <laughs> but uh, back to Sherlock Holmes' face is dead. Did we all just? No, no, no. That was great information. That was because you're Don't right. Worry, I will get us right back on track with this <laughs> bit of bit of uh, bit of uh, happiness from this particular film. Is like one of the things that also points us toward, once again, trying to ratchet Sherlock Holmes back into the proper period and acting more like the Sherlock Holmes on the page is an affectation that he had in the first three films in this series of movies that he does not evidence in this one, which is no more is he smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. He's smoking the pipe. pipe. Yeah, yeah, sure is. I didn't. Yeah, did not, I, I didn't, didn't think about that. Very good. Yeah, that yeah, occurred to yeah, me. Yeah. And now I remember seeing it. Yeah, yeah. He, he repeatedly is smoking a pipe in this movie, and yeah. it's like in the previous movies he was always smoking cigarettes, occasionally a pipe. Mm-hmm. But it became, but it was one of those things where it's just like, eh, this is weird. I mean, that's a that's a modern thing, and it's yeah. just like, guess what? A pipe mm-hmm. is is a, a pipe can be used in any time period, but yeah. it also feels more like Sherlock yeah, Holmes yeah, to have him smoking a pipe. Yeah. So oh, cool. nice, nice little tag there. Yeah. Good job. The, the the gothic touches are wonderful. I mean, we get you know, like I said before, we get a crypt. We've got uh, what do we got? Uh, we got a big, co- we got we got coffins. We got uh, oh, we got all Lord. kinds of nods to. Well, we, I was going to say, we got a we got, raven. We I got mean, a black yeah, cat, a raven, raven and a man in a yes. wall. I mean, the how about, I just love the name of that pub, the rat and the, the raven. Rat and what raven. is a wonderful name for a pub? <laughs> First of all, I pr- feel pretty convinced that I would go immediately into a pub like that, Cut, yeah. but I would fear that I would be poisoned. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. Because something would go wrong or yeah. that a raven would attack me. Nevertheless. <laughs> and if that raven was from Musgrave, what was it doing at the bar? They never do explain because yeah, he says, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. and that the fellow who does that, the wonderful voiceover that I've, that I've put at the beginning of this episode where he entered, where they kind of introduced the whole idea of Halsett Hall and mm-hmm. Mus, Mus, the Musgrave family. 
the whole thing. They, he says that, that, that yeah, the raven came from came from there, hmm. and I spent a lot of time there, and that's how I know I, I knows what I knows. Yeah. And he and he starts into that that little speech, and it's just one of those things where he's just like. What? So did this raven just hang out there? Did they kick him out? Did they fire him? Was the raven like the like the official raven of the greenhouse or some shit? Help help us out here because nobody can understand why why this raven is there except to be this weird little touch when we visit that place and and you know that's it's kind of nice it adds a it adds a nice another creepy visual and I gotta admit the sound of a crow is awful it scares me the second name for that bar could have been. Bad hair bar. <laughs> well, forties Britain. Yeah. Oh my God! The amount of what was uh, what was on that guy's head? I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> the rat. That's where the rat was. Well, you didn't see. You didn't see. You noticed that that was the rat. The rat. And, the, and the name of that. That and that's for the 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 fact the place has rat in the title is a foreshadowing because oh. one of the young. One of the two young men that the uh, oh, bartender is explaining the story, you know, the legend to the younger of the two one of the, men yeah, the one is, on the right. is a future Rat Packer, Peter Lawford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really, looking uh, extraordinarily young because yeah, he's essentially so. just been birthed. He's yeah, just incredibly yeah, young. Yeah. Yeah. He was the only one without bad hair. <laughs> You're right, right. He's the one that goes blimey, <laughs> just to convince you that he's British. Yeah. <laughs> what brings you from Northumberland at this early hour? Bad business, Holmes. Very bad business. How do you know that I came from Northumberland? Elementary, my dear Watson. Your overnight bag carried a fresh Euston label. The only train arriving at Euston Station at this hour is the Newcastle Express from Northumberland. Ergo, Sir Knight, thou comest from Northumberland. Of course. Obvious, isn't it? Quite. Now tell me, what dark deed was done at Hurston Towers last night? Well, that's what I came to see about, Holmes. About ten o'clock last night, I was sitting in the lab... How do you know that I came from Hulse? You wrote me that you'd volunteered for medical service within the realm. With your experience, what post could have been offered you, other than to put you in charge of a home for convalescent officers? Only one such home has been opened in Northumberland in the last month, and that's Musgrave Manor at Hulston. <laughs> Simple reasoning. Child could do it. Not your child, Watson. No, of course. Well, I never had a child. I very nearly did, though. Did I ever tell you about that, that widow at Twickenham? Very narrow escape. I just found out in time she had a most horrible little squirt about three and a half. Yes, oh. Watson, I think we'd better stick to Hurston. Oh, sorry, old boy. Oh, Hurston? It's a grim old pile. Very oh. spooky. Don't tell me that you met a ghost. No, not so spooky as that. Ghosts don't stab people in the neck, do they? Or do they? Not well-bred ghosts, Watson. Who was stabbed in the neck? My young assistant, Dr. Sexton. When? Last night. Any idea who did it? Oh, no idea. You reported it? No, well, no, no, I didn't. Why not? Well, the same as My dear fellow, what you're trying to say is the officers in your care are all fine fellows, wonderful war records and so on, is that it? Precisely. So you thought perhaps a private investigation? Exactly. Very right and proper thinking, Watson. We've just time to catch the 9.30 train to Hurston. Well, my dear fellows, there's no immediate hurry. Isn't there? Your patients are all victims of combat fatigue. Any one of them might go over the edge at any moment. And from what you've told me, there's a killer loose at Hurston. Great Scott, you may be right. Come on, Watson. We haven't a moment to lose. I only hope we shan't be too late. Well, I guess the first clue that this film uh, is going to signal a change in tone in the entire series is... Uh, everybody remember the first three films we had the uh, the pre the pre 
uh, action caption reassuring all us viewers that Holmes is ageless and invincible mm-hmm. and unchanging. It's like, eh, we can dispense with that bullshit because yeah. we're going to blur the line so hard that we're hoping you don't notice. Exactly. We're just going to rock it right along here and see what in the hell happens. And, of course, the fact that it starts out with a close-up of that sign of the rat and the raven swinging and creaking in the wind, yeah. uh, it's, it's, like, it's almost like Roy William Neal uh, <laughs> knew. He's like, okay, okay, yeah. let's just let's yeah. just go ahead and lean into this. Yeah. Let's just keep you know, rocking along and keep and keep everything in you know moving. And uh, the uh, the Raven. Yes. Okay. That first of Charlie all, Raven, the Raven. Yeah. He's he's described as fond of blood. Yes. So we're like really. I, I put it <laughs> as just gonna. I put it as blood mania on my notes. <laughs> Raven has blood mania. Blood mania. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's all it can say. What? No, it says something else too. But we, but we, yeah. It says blood, and then it says. I don't remember. It says something else. Okay, what are you talking about? The raven can only rates. say a few words, and you can hear him saying blood. I didn't hear. Did he, did he speak English? Yeah, yeah, he said a couple of words. Oh, what did he say? He said blood. Oh, okay. I, can't, I don't remember what else. You thought he said but, something? Okay, he, but he yeah, said something but he else. said something else. But he's a. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine because when you get that, because you know immediately, of course, that's going to pay off somewhere else in the film, exactly. and the writers know that you, we know that that, mm. that they know, you know the that they're setting something up there. But that's yeah. that's cool. It's all fun. Oh, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> Another weird thing about this film is this is one of the rare times we ever see Watson, especially in this series actually engaged in being a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being Holmes' sidekick, mm-hmm. he's been pulled by the military back into service to watch over these yeah. shell-shocked soldiers. And it's a perfect way of fitting Watson, you know, into the story because the original story, as I recall, is <laughs> yeah. just is just Sherlock Holmes telling, they're just he's just telling Watson the story. Which so took place did, yeah, which took place right. years yeah. before. Yeah. Exactly. It was before they were together, so yeah. he he avoids cleaning his house by distracting Watson with a box of old stories. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah. it is always good when they show mm-hmm. Watson's usefulness in whatever mm-hmm. way they show him here. Right, you know, right. Like here he's obviously being mm-hmm. a real service, you know, because and, there is <coughs> so much time devoted to him being a bit, you know, doddering and buffoonish that we also get to right. see him sometimes actually step up to the plate and see, see his usefulness. You know. And in the original story, Sherlock actually knew the Musgraves. He knew, right? Yeah. And it was right. them that came to him. One of their brothers came to him, and I can't remember what, which one. But in this story, they use it's Reginald Reg, Reginald Musgrave who Reginald. called him there. Reginald. Well, they used uh, Watson to pull him in mm-hmm. to the story, mm-hmm. and then you get the you get the good Sherlock interaction between you know the the traditional. Let's insult Watson and and do all my Sherlock deductions. So you so you get some really good deductions yeah, right. right there at the beginning when he's like, oh yeah, I knew it was you coming up the stairs. And but you also get a good sign that he's I, I love you know the real warmth between them too. The way he's yeah. obviously yeah. so happy to see Watson. Yeah. You know, no matter how much he he needles him, he's it's just always he feels obviously so it's very cool. He, that he really that, needles you know. the shit out. Oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does. Yeah. So simple, so simple. A child could <laughs> see it. It's like, well, not your child. Not your child. <laughs> I, know, I love that one. It's <laughs> just like. Whoa, that's uh, that's a little cooler. It, it looks like he just maybe he just even ad libbed that and just mm. slipped it in. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. probably I think, not. But it was I good. think that I think that Milhauser's script had that all in there. It's pretty nasty. Oh, it's good script. But that's okay, it. look now. I love that the story has the traditional Sherlock shooting a V in the wall. Yeah, but at the same time, okay, 
wouldn't he have eventually killed his landlady? Because wouldn't these bullets have gone <laughs> right? They Where did they somewhere. go? I mean, how many well, people? Well, here, here's what seems to be true, which is uh, that they, they penetrate the wall. Well, they mm-hmm. penetrate the plaster, but they don't go all the way through the wall. Mm-hmm. Or she would have been able mm-hmm. to tell that before yeah. she came in the room because it had been Well, she would have been dead. Through the, well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The, where, the, that yeah. is, where, that room is, where that spot is positioned, oh, okay. they were, it's over, it would be over the staircase. And from his mm-hmm. angle, I don't want to be pedantic. Yeah. <laughs> but the angle is up. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I said, well, must not have gone through the wall. Right? Now, now that, that you weird explain as hell? it. I think my feeling, my question is always more like, why don't why aren't the police dragging him off? <laughs> dragging him, why aren't he being but, but it, I guess it's maybe make us realize well, how much of his reputation has grown that they've been so useful to the police guess, that they're just like, I just don't think oh, you understand just, British law. Yeah, 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 British yeah. law is you fire a gun inside your own home. <laughs> as long as you don't actually murder anybody, it's good. It's all fine. Everyone can fire so, a gun except the policeman. That's so as long as, he, <laughs> as long as he missed all of his neighbors and his landlady, he's fine. So. Yeah, 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 as long as nobody died or was seriously injured. Minor injuries are okay. Right. But no serious injuries. That scene does have my, one of my favorite lines in the whole film is about the not the well-bred ghost. You know, it's a, a ghost, <laughs> ghost wouldn't fire a ghost. It says, I'm like, ghost wouldn't shoot someone, Woody Holmes or something. You know, Holmes says, not a well-bred ghost. You know? I thought that's yeah. just a great line. <laughs> well, there's well, there's there's something. I, I do love the uh, the exterior, the 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 house that we that yeah. that the Holstead Hall I think is just an amazing place, and it's been used. That exterior has been used in a lot of other films as well. And the great thing about it is that it's immediate. It's an immediate gothic image, and it's an immediate like touchstone for what this film is going to feel like for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of those things where as soon as you see the house, I just kept, I always think to myself, well, I'm not saying it's a haunted house. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the ghost would find it a pretty friendly place. <laughs> so, <laughs> when we when we end up, yes. well, well, let's discuss this for a second. We'll we'll get to a, a rundown of the, the the entire plot here in just a second, but. One of the things that is part of the story but never plays out are a couple of those things really are just things that are signifiers for a possible supernatural element in the story, like the clock mysteriously striking 13 no matter what time of the freaking night it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like that has that bears absolutely all that. What what that means is since that plays absolutely no part in the mystery or Mm -hmm. any, any part of the story at all, all that means is they have a really shitty clock. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> they need a repairman <laughs> to, so that this damn thing will strike. First of all, ten twenty-five and strike at thirteen. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, mm-hmm. I looked at the clock. It was ten twenty-five. <laughs> striking th- striking anything at ten twenty-five means it's busted <laughs> to begin with. You immediately need to make a call. <sighs> and they talk about how their father was the when it. The last time it struck yeah. thirteen, right. yeah, signifies a death. Yeah, yeah. The father was immediately killed or mm-hmm. dropped dead. I can't remember. Or turned inside out by ghost fall. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. But you're right. The ghost story aspect yeah. too. They talk about the ghost right. legend, which again has nothing to do with the yeah. rest of the film. But it's just kind of a. <laughs> yes. or, or how about you mentioned earlier the lightning strike that comes mm-hmm. in when she's, you know, the, the she's lightning strike when she's reciting yeah. the ritual. It has nothing to do with the story. It's yeah. just to keep keep you only, you know, just to keep teasing you with like maybe we're gonna go supernatural here. Yeah, because they point. never mention his dad, his father yeah, again. Right. You know, so yep. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't factor into it. Plus, it, there there came a point. I, I th- there came a point when I was rewatching this one time a few years ago when I'd forgotten how things play out. I'd, mm. In other words, I'd forgotten Hillary Brooks' character actually survives the entire piece, and so there was a part of me that was like. 
we're racing through this family pretty quick. Is she next? <laughs> because within the first 20 minutes, the two male Musgraves get it. Yeah. Well, I don't think that Philip was too much of a loss. He was... The <laughs> yeah, I don't know that either much. I the the older one was was it Jeffrey? I you, you, yes maybe I yes Jeffrey. Jeffrey Jeffrey the older one is I mean he was on what the set two milliseconds and <laughs> no, then right. he was yes, there man. long enough to, to to impress us about being a prick about yeah. what his who his sister can and cannot marry that's it and yeah. then he's out yeah mm-hmm. yeah and but and then Philip stays around for a little bit longer but was he like. Did you guys think he was the weakest actor in the whole thing? Because he was kind of um, the whole time for me. He was kind of like, uh, well, I think what I think of, what may be affecting you there is something that I've noticed, especially on this current rewatch, is that they seem to have given that character physical affectations without really giving him a character, like the cracking uh, of the knuckles. The cracking and all knuckles. That, yeah. Yeah. I think he's supposed to be blasé about it. I think he's kind of uh, supposed to be maybe the the kind of the the. Playboyish or just kind of the you know the nonchalant flippant one. Of yeah, yeah, maybe, he, yeah. maybe that's off, what he was supposed to play. Yeah, and he came off as just kind of yeah. milk toast instead yeah. of extremely aloof and kind of silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or not, well, silly is probably the wrong word, but definitely aloof and mm-hmm. irreverent and just yeah, yeah not yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say that Callous, I, I, guess. I don't know that I would say he was the worst actor in the film because I really do like his opening scene where where he's. He's messing with Brunson, who he's, yeah. who he's called. That's true. That's oh, true. He's dropping. Yeah. I'm probably not I'm giving him enough credit. And I and I really do like. Uh, I also like his uh, his scene with uh, <laughs> with Sherlock, well, where Sherlock is g- kind of gently probing to see if he'll recognize that uh, that long needle thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he he doesn't. He's like, oh, that's great, and he uses it to clean out his pipe. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, well, whatever you may think this is, this guy's never seen this before. He has no clue <laughs> what this may or may not be. Yeah. But. Let's back up. Let's start doing the, let's start doing the uh, a run through of this because the 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 build out from the Musgrave ritual is very well handled. This mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. smart way to incorporate chunks of a of a story, mm-hmm. alter them a bit, add a lot of different things to it, and then just have it race along pretty well. Uh, I, 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 you know, we we always joke about how quick these films are because they're you know barely barely seventy minutes at most, right. and so. Generally, they move pretty quickly. But the thing about a, a gothic story is that if they move too quickly, you kind of miss out on the opportunities for atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And there are a few points here where uh, they you might, you might accuse this film of that because they're kind of almost shoehorning in things that, that kind of move you away from it. Mm-hmm. For instance, what if... And this would re- it wouldn't really make sense, but what if when Watson and Sherlock walked to the pub, it was twilight or dark instead of the middle of the day? Mm-hmm. That would have added a little bit more atmosphere, but the film either logically knows, well, that would be a bad idea, because then I mean, what are they doing there at night? What were mm-hmm. they doing during the day? I mean, <laughs> what the hell are we doing here? Um, so they miss a few opportunities here and there by being logical where they could have shoehorned in a little bit more atmosphere, but... But would you have gotten that super contrast of the Black Raven <laughs> well, at <laughs> night? It's not just that. That's the point where you realize that they couldn't do this at night, really, because we really do have to have... We have to have that incredibly well-trained raven yeah. <laughs> fly out of the yeah. pub, yeah. <laughs> light on that uh, mm. that pedestal, and mm. then fly to the car. Mm. <laughs> Which mm. is one of those things where it's like, whoever trained mm. this thing... Mm. 
up his pay because <laughs> you didn't yeah. pay him nearly yeah. enough to train this thing. Anyway, let's let's get into the uh, <laughs> let's get into the plot of this thing. Uh, we have uh, Musgrave Manor, formerly formerly Hurlston Towers in Northumberland. Uh, it's been turned into a haven for convalescing military officers by the Musgrave family. Despite this altruistic gesture, only the younger sister Sally, played by Hilary Brooke, mm-hmm. appears to exhibit any compassion toward her fellow man. Her brothers Jeffrey and Philip are scheming and disagreeable men. And scheming is that—that's maybe the better yeah. word to yeah. use to describe Philip. That's probably mm-hmm. the best way to go. The older, that's Jeffrey, uh, heartily disapproves of his sister's affections for recuperating American pilot Pat Vickery, played by Milburn Stone, which uh, is, uh, let's put it this yes, way. Yes, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Milburn Stone a little bit. We've seen yeah, him. Who's, we, who's we saw that? Him. Oh, the guy that was in one scene in the film. <laughs> yeah, no, he's got like two seconds, too. He's, he, in this film, he's got, uh, I think, three scenes, possibly four but they have to do so, they have to do so much juggling with him because he is a short guy. <laughs> they have to they, they, let's talk about let's talk about this. Milburn Stone is the actor who uh, would be best known as uh, playing the do- playing the doctor on Gunsmoke for mm-hmm. the entire run of Gunsmoke. Mm-hmm. But before that, of course, we saw him in one in uh, uh, Captive Wild Woman. Yes. Uh, he was the brave fellow mm-hmm. who was fighting stock footage of, 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 of fierce <laughs> yeah. jungle cats yeah. inside a cage. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> and and also uh, apparently being wooed by a uh, you know an ape turned you know, <laughs> sexy Aquanetta mm-hmm. you know go see the film for yourself see if I'm lying <laughs> but the uh, the fact is uh, this is the first movie where I've where I've realized yeah him being as short as he is is a detriment to just setting up shots well and even he in interviews talked about yeah. how they would have to uh, like in his scenes with Hillary Brooke they either yeah. had to have him standing on something yeah yeah or very smartly have both of them sitting down so at least then you can get into he does he does claim that they actually had him sit on a pillow while they were sitting down on the couch too so he was up a little tall, up a little higher than than he would, normally would be and it's like wow he was a really short dude and now there's a part of me that knows mm. how tall James Arness was oh yeah and I think wow did they cast Milburn Stone in Gunsmoke because he's so short so yeah, that he would be just, such a contrast <laughs> besides the height it'd be like, of Arnes, it'd be like a, a foot difference well, between these two men so yeah so I'm going to say something about this whole Milburn Stone character is how another odd aspect of this film that's not typical of, of most films from this period I think that I feel like Universal was because you mentioned him being in Captive Wild Woman which we covered yeah. not too long ago there's obviously this short period of time where Universal was trying to gear him up to be a romantic lead but the really weird thing about this film, and it was not just because it's him, it's the whole idea that the the romantic lead just disappears after a couple of scenes. I mean, I most yeah. usually this film, they would find some way, even no matter how awkward it might be, to, to shoehorn the you know let's get the let's get our romantic male lead in there as much as possible. Right. And he's just like, bye, you're gone. You know, he's well, that's just the it. They're, they're, they don't even the two of them don't even have any scenes alone. No, they're no. really not. And yeah, and they never like really get to. Experience any affection for each other quietly. There's, there's, there's sitting no next to Yeah, they're sitting yeah. next to each other on the couch mm-hmm. so while re- other people are in the yeah. room, and that's it. So you, you even can kind of forget that that's any kind of driving factor. Mm-hmm. Because it's not. Yeah, I mean, right, as far right. as the story's yeah. concerned, it's just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it, as soon as he gets the... As soon as the uh, first guy, the 
older brother Jeffrey's murdered, they lock him in jail and yeah. he stays there for yeah, the rest of the yeah, movie. He's and, out of the picture. Yeah, yeah pretty much. And yeah. we, they don't even show him, show him to us in jail because then we would have to have another set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, sets like cost they, money. Well, it's like they thought, you know, if we do any more with this character, that's another two or three minutes and we're already at the 68-minute mark. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> we can't have that. We're going to push this to 75 minutes. <laughs> we're going to have an intermission. <laughs> in the film. People are going to leave. Yeah. But do you think maybe he didn't, they didn't work that in because every time they had to use him, they had to... You know, do something complicated. Now, I can't so. see what you said, Dad. If we have to go to a jail cell set or something, <coughs> and I ought to show him, you know, from then on, if he's yeah. supposed to be in jail, we have to go to a whole other. Yeah, that's very possible. Mm-hmm. That it meant another set, another location. That's actually very yeah. true. Plus, at the same time, what would it have added? I yeah, mean, right, it would have right. just been more dialogue between, what, like Sherlock going yeah. to talk to him or something? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it would have just slowed the, the film down a little bit. And I would have to say, I think the film has, and this is going to sound weird to say, I think it has a few moments in it that didn't necessarily need to be there. Mm-hmm. That, it, in other words, it could have gone a little faster. But I don't. I don't necessarily want to trim them out mm-hmm. because they're kind of there to add a little flavor. But it's not gothic flavor. I wouldn't even be talking about this. What I'm kind of speaking about is: is there a reason at all to have the American character in this movie at all? I mean, just like at all. In other words, is there a reason to have a romantic interest for the sister character, played by Hilary Brooke, because it factors not a bit into anything? All I can think of is maybe they, once again, just want to keep our mind on the fact that America's in the war and maybe just wanted to have some American representation. Oh, no, that's... Yeah, you're probably right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I, I had considered the, you know, mm-hmm. we're all in this together or, vibe that they may have been trying to shoehorn in. Yeah. may have wanted to have more of a a fool for Hillary to work with. I mean, you know, to be, I mean, she, because of him, she was more emotionally upset, you know, because not only was her brother dead. Are you yeah, saying motive? Are you saying like a motive to make her where she could be the killer of the... Well, I mean... Well, no, I, I, think, I think she's talking about just someone to have her emotionally play off of because she has to be upset right. or her brothers die mm-hmm. and all that kind of... Yeah, yeah. I can I see... Mean, yeah. I can actually see that as a motivator to, to have someone in that position in the, you know, in mm-hmm. the care... Yeah, that makes sense too, yeah. By yeah, the way... okay. By the way, did any of y'all... Did either of y'all at any, at any point in your watching of this and, and, and you guys have probably seen this film more than me and, you know, when I went in to watch it, um, I'd forgotten who the female, you know, I hadn't really taken a quick look at the rest of the cast besides our two, two mains, you know, Holmes and Watson. And there was, there was first thing I saw her, I thought, I thought Evelyn Anchors, you know, and then I thought, oh, wow, yeah. and then I thought, you know, and then I thought like, okay, they must've now obviously Hillary Brooke had quite a career career. So I don't say this as a knock against her, but there's some certain angles. I feel like she looks so much like Evelyn Anchors. I'm sitting there oh. thinking like they, Ellen just must not have been available for the shooting of this because they got a dead ringer. For her to well, make, they definitely did her hair up. Yeah, exactly. It makes her look as much like just, yeah. yeah. But Hillary is in three Sherlock's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, she was. I know, um, and and and, and uh, maybe they maybe they just felt like you know we've used Evelyn Anchor so mm-hmm. much and already in some Sherlock's. Mm-hmm. But she was in Voice of Terror, right? And but Woman not a in big Green. part in that one. That but she's got a big part in Woman in Green. Yeah, Woman in Green later in the series, she's a mm-hmm. yeah, she's a massive part of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she, I mean, again, she she had a, a lot. I mean, she had a full career for sure. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just, uh, but yeah, for some reason, I saw I, 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 it always distracted me when I first watched it the first time. Just the cover <laughs> angles, I was just like, God, it's a, it looks just like Evelyn Anchors. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, because Woman in Green's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's why I was like, yeah. I was like, hey, I know yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> I know her. I know her. 
Well, uh, soon both of the brothers are dead, and Lestrade has shown up, which, you know, <laughs> we can start getting picky here. Send <laughs> <laughs> he out of really? his yeah. Yeah. Why is he here? He's a little far afield. <laughs> but to be honest, they have so much fun with uh, mm-hmm. with Lestrade's character. Dennis Huey is, is such a, he, he's, he's such a fun doof, but at the same, I mean, and, and you have to admit, if they're going to have a doof character in this film, it is not Watson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's again, it's almost like uh, yeah. Uh, Nigel Bruce must have been so happy when Lestrade was going to be in there because I'm not the dumbest character in the <laughs> film. You know, I'm not the. Although I'm not going to be the butt of the jokes. I, I, Although they do dumb him up a little. Well, they yes. have they have him do they have they have Watson do one thing that makes you want to slap him, and that's he falls asleep when he's on watch. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, but mm-hmm. yeah, and I was very like, oh my god, he's going to fall asleep again. <laughs> Is he going to let somebody yeah. take his gun from yeah. him, too? Yeah. What's going to happen next? Is he going to fall over and have his head go up his butt? <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing next? Crap. <laughs> is he going to chew bubble gum and, then, and get it and in then, his hair? And then it gets worse. Because not only does he all, almost mm-hmm. fall asleep, then when he wakes up, he hears the noise and just walks away from his post. And then they have that whole conversation of, I need to stay at my post. No, I don't need to stay at my post. I need to stay at my post. I don't need to stay at my post. <laughs> yeah. You know, with the... Oh, up and the, down the, the stairs the, and up uh, and down the... Yeah, with the, the guy who's got the facial tick. The, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, what's his name? Cal... Oh. The one who was the bomb, uh, who who had been on the bomb squad. Yeah, are you, yeah. yeah. Are, you th- are you talking about the actor's name? Yeah. Oh. Uh, no, I was talking about his actual name in the, the film. I wrote it down and now I can't remember it. Anyway, the one that had the listening device and the tick. Yeah. 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 He was the best. Clavering. His name Clavering. is Clavering. Yeah, he was the best of the three patients. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed him with yeah. his, his... And I, I liked all the, the, the patients. All the patients were fun. Because cause they set him up. I mean, the film is really good at, at kind of calling your attention, you know, trying to set them up as possible, you know... Yeah, what are they, they might, doing? Yeah, with it, and, yeah. and, and, and those yeah, what, what are they doing? Yeah, listening to that's the yeah, and him using the thing that he yeah. used to detect to listen to bombs and to activate bombs to yeah. listen to the. He's listening to conversations, cool, and, and they're, they're, they're they all seem to be sneaking around yeah, and yeah. listening around between them and, and the butler and the butler's wife. There, uh, I mean, they set up a lot of potential suspect, yeah. you know, suspicious yeah. characters. Exactly. You know, it's but like, it's like okay, you know, in the original story, you know, it really is the right, butler, right, right, and so therefore, I was like, I'm coming into this maybe saying now they cannot possibly let it be it's got to be yeah. some random person that's going to show up because it can't right. be the butler because it was yeah. the butler by the way I, I timed how long Lestrade was lost in the uh, in the, <laughs> in the passage <laughs> and it's, 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 it's probably less than you think it was it was like eight minutes of screen time it seems like a lot longer but it was only eight minutes you know that he's, that he's uh, of screen time that he's lost in the but I'll, but of course you know it sets it up to me. You don't know if he's been there for hours. It kind of sets it more like you think he's probably been there. But, you know, but yeah, that was uh, that was pretty funny, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. Well, I wanted to mention that Hallowell Hobbs, the actor who plays uh, Brunson, the, mm-hmm. the, the uh, one of the most interesting characters in the movie. Yeah. Which which is the butler character who of course if we went by the, if we went by the original short story is dead when the damn story starts. He ends up as one of our corpses. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he just seems to go missing, and they find mm-hmm. his corpse. Mm-hmm. The performance of being a drunk—that scene yes. where he's having the conversation, the drunken conversation yes. with Holmes—honestly, <laughs> that is—that's just—I can back that up and rewatch Me that too. scene a couple of times and really enjoy yeah. myself. I, yeah, each I think time. I enjoyed his performance the most of anybody's in the in the film. Yeah. You know, is I just really and that scene is a standout. He's terrific yeah. on that. The squeaking. 
Yeah. Where chair. The chair and Holmes just losing his patience with just, you know, that's not kind of just, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, just, it's that wonderful thing is like sometimes an actor, especially, and this is true, if, especially in a comedy, the idea is that someone playing drunk will overdo. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll be too big and mm-hmm. it comes yeah. off as completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He is not doing this. He, this could have been played comically. But he's not. Mm-hmm. He is someone who's drunk, knows he's drunk, knows that mm-hmm. the person he's talking to knows he's drunk. But because of that, is trying to hold it together mm-hmm. as best he can. Mm-hmm. And we're both we're both going to pretend that I'm not drunk. Yeah. By me being as careful as like you know yes, he, he exactly it, being as careful his, mm-hmm. with my speaking as I can be. Yeah. I'm not going to slur my word. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not. He's, I'm not going to do the obvious things. I'm going to be very careful. He does that over focusing thing. Okay? Exactly. You stare and you over <laughs> like you're trying to to hold that focus. Well, so also that yeah. that that slight that slight waver uh-huh. that slight physical waver, uh-huh. which is why he's holding on to the chair uh-huh. in the first place, where he's, he's trying to keep he's trying to keep from that lean that starts the the yeah. waver, the you know back and forth. <laughs> and it's it's played really well. It's, it it's one of those. Uh, it's two it's two very solid actors mm-hmm. who are doing some. One of them is doing something difficult, and it's not Basil Rathbone in that scene. <laughs> It's the yeah. it's Hallowell Hobbs who's yeah. who's having to do this this comical this comical juggling act and not make mm-hmm. it look like a juggling act or be funny doing it. He's got a it's got to be a serious piece and I think it's very well done and it's mm-hmm. it's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie it has nothing yeah, to do yeah. nothing to do with the mystery outside yeah. of Holmes trying to find some fucking information out. Yeah, but I just I just I, I think it's weird that that's one of my favorite scenes in the yeah. movie. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy that scene so much. You were right, Watson, about Musgrave Manor. Houses like people have definite personalities, and this place is positively ghoulish. <laughs> Certainly is. Well, of course, in keeping with uh, Conan Doyle's story, Holmes learns that the ritual is the key to solving the murder mystery. He realizes the floor of the main hall has the appearance of a giant chessboard, and therefore the cagey detective maneuvers each member of the household around the giant board as though they were chessmen according to the directions in this ritual. Uh, now, here's the thing. We have managed to speak about this movie for almost an hour. And the thing we have not mentioned is the entire character of the person who turns out to be the murderer. Yeah, yes, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Actually, yeah. <laughs> now, I want to bring him up now. And, of course, he is the other doctor who's also there helping mm-hmm. Watson take care of these uh, these um, uh, these military men. <laughs> and... Uh, it's Dr. Bob Sexton, played by Arthur Arthur Margitson. 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 I can't even say the poor sucker's name. <laughs> um, and, of course, anybody watching a movie of this type knows that we've got to start casting our eye around, and it can't be the obvious people. There's no yeah. way. They keep yeah. th- trying to find ways to make the, uh, the, uh, the four soldiers... Possible, you know, possible murderers, yeah. right? What they're I, twitchy and they're weird, so surely they could be, they could be the killer, right? Well, I thought that it's it's Broughton, right? Broughton and his the butler, the butler, and butler. who we figure out is his wife. Mm. I oh, I oh think, the, the yeah the the house the house I think man, what yeah. I thought was that the the patients had been listening and had figured out. That they knew something, and then therefore they were just—they were going to try to shoehorn themselves into whatever this treasure was that the oh, really? butler and his wife were looking for, and so they were 
they were looking, they had caught on to something and were just kind of sneakily waiting to try to find out how they can take advantage of the situation. That's not a that's that that's a that's a way to tell a story that would be at least fifteen minutes longer than they want this damn film to be. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. But I think that's kind of what I thought at one point, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that guy, I got to tell you, the sixth guy, he had me fooled. I had for a little while at least because well, it's like yeah. he fades well, into the background. How does he how does he fool you to begin with? He tells the story. He, he cuts yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he tells us a story which the let's 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 draw this out. <laughs> the movie lies to us. The movie flat out lies to us by having him recount being attacked by someone who cuts him on the throat, tries yeah. to kill him, and it shows it to us. He doesn't just tell us. Yes, they exactly. visualize what he's telling them, which then, of course, we later learn. By the way, people, spoiler alert. We later learn was total BS. Yeah. Ooh. He yeah. was lying. He inflicted the wound on himself to throw anybody who might be wondering off of the scent of his possible mm-hmm. guilt. So the movie lies to us. <laughs> it lies. <laughs> and now, now see, I never I never thought about this before with these movies. This is the first time the movie that one of these movies has lied to us about mm. any part of the mystery. Mm. Show in other words, shown us something that then later turns out to not actually have happened. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. And now I'm going to keep my eyes peeled (laughs) to see if that happens again in any of the future Holmes movies because that is a cinematic... Well, I won't call it a misstep. They broke the rules. They didn't play fair. It's not playing fair. Hmm. I won't say say it makes me not like the movie or I won't say it breaks the story or anything like that because that's all silly because Hmm. this movie works just fine. But... He lied to us. <laughs> that means I can't trust him no he is, more. He's going to have trust issues. Trust issues going to have forward. trust yes. issues with these Holmes pictures for the duration. Because they done lied at me once. You know what would have been kind of cool is when he was actually telling what happened. It would have been cool if he went back to that same scene in the same setting, same wind. Instead of that, uh-huh. it showed him actually doing it to himself. Oh, if they you know, would have been in that, that same position good. there. Yeah. Show, you know, where we've seen it once before. And then, we, mm-hmm. then it's seeing, here's what really happened. You know, mm-hmm. and kind of showing it that way would have been kind of a neat... Yeah. Oh, I think what they were trying even to... better is uh, if we'd seen like uh, in the fl- in, in the if they'd shown it to us a second time was showing mm-hmm. him act- what actually happened is him mm-hmm. cutting himself him being in the place where he told where he told mm-hmm. the story where he was and him actually like flicking his own blood onto the ground so that it could be found later on to yeah. kind of prove what happened yeah yeah that would have been a nice little touch mm-hmm. but yeah 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 that's true I think I think they may have done that to make it have more impact when it actually turns out to be him. Well, I think it's also the movie trying to do that thing of really hiding the ball. Yeah. I mean, really mm-hmm. trying to hide from That's the... That's what... The, yeah. The, yeah. I mean, what you're saying is by showing it, it really makes it really unlikely that anybody who's, who likes yeah, to, you're not to solve guess the it. mystery, that that's going to keep you from... If they've shown you something you think really happened, then that's going to yeah. really kind of make it... So you're right. They're not very fair. Not it's, it's, it's not fair. In other words, the movie, is, the movie is eliminating a mm-hmm. character. <clears throat> Not through death. It's like, well, he's dead. He's not the murderer. He got yeah. killed. But instead of that, instead of that, oh, he was attacked and nearly killed. It's it's not playing fair. That's just mm. the best way to put it. Now, like I say, I'm, I'm going to be curious because I've never thought about that before. Now I wonder if any of the other movies pulls the same stunt. Would you have been okay with it if he just told the story and they hadn't presented it? I would have been okay with it, but he's right. Troy's right. It, it, the, by showing it to us, by visualizing it, 
their their accomplishment is is to to take him off the board, and of course, we My do get clues. Yeah, exactly. When he lies about the thing is he 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 lies repeatedly in the movie, and that's the one that you can't catch because the movie lies to us visually. But the chessboard lie, where he says he doesn't know anything about chess, mm. and then and yes. then when he's asked to move into a certain spot, he actually calls it specifically by its real title, by where yeah. it would be on the board. That is like another lie. That's like his no, second lie. I, you go ahead. You may say what I'm about to say. How did they decide which part of the floor was the chessboard? They just decided. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because they had to exactly be in the right spot for her to be standing on the spot. Right. You, see, you know what I'm saying? If it's the, like playing baseball right. outside, you just go that's second base. No, you can't do that. <laughs> it's because no, because the the girl had to end up on the the whoever was well, on that everybody spot. Everybody knows that the bishop can't go to second base. Oh, okay. Was there something in the <laughs> Was there something in the ritual about where the light fell that told him where the I don't know. Was? He said he said the way he figured it out is the light fell on the floor, and he said ah, there's the chessboard. Mm. But how big is a chessboard, and how big was that floor? So where did you start? Well, chessboard, they, they can't have the whole chessboard because a chessboard is, is 64, I think it's 64 squares. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, what is it, 8 by 8? Yeah, I think it's 8 by 8. So they can't, they, the, the, whole, the room's not big enough with the size of those squares for there to be a full chessboard. So they're having to just use part, you know, part of it as the, the setup for what the ritual is telling them to do. And of course, that would work because the ritual was built on the fact that it was using that room as a reference point. So, you know, when he moved off that spot, yeah, that caught my attention. But it, I mean, because I, I thought for a second, the the way it kind of deliberately made sure that you saw him kind of wander off that, you know, yeah, I thought for a second, is he trying to mess up? You know, oh, yeah. something, but then it totally slipped past me that he he knew where to go. You know that mm-hmm. I, that totally went over my head. You know that he had said he didn't know the game, right. but knew where to go back. But I did notice he moved, and they showed us. I was like, you know, I thought they were showing that for a reason. Is he mm-hmm. trying to deliberately screw things up? You know, but that and was he was. Yeah, he yes, was. <laughs> he was. He was. He was. Here's a real question for you. And this is like I say, people spoilers. You saying gonna... mine wasn't a real question? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about a question the film doesn't. Ask. It's a it's a question the film doesn't ask. Here's the question the film doesn't ask: If he's trying to throw everybody off because he's already found the box with the land deed in it, mm-hmm. why didn't he take the fucking land deed? Why did because he leave it there? Because he didn't want to take it because he wanted it to happen naturally, and then he she was supposed to fall in love with him. They kind of explained it at the end. I'll grant you that. But he could have taken it, hidden it, put it anywhere in the house, and then after he somehow, this mud guy somehow wooed Hillary Brooke, yeah, that's when, when Holmes is laughing at him about that concept. <laughs> we're all standing there right beside him going, yeah, yeah. you ain't, you you ain't getting Hillary that. Brooke, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not unless you're just the only two people left in this fucking ghost house. <laughs> but if he had stashed it someplace, making sure that nobody else could figure this damn thing out and find it, and then mm. marry her, and then enough time passes, and then goes, my goodness, honey, look what I found here in our home, in this book, or wherever the hell he finds it, and just produces it, and of course it's going to be verifiable, You can the, 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 the document itself can be verified perfectly easily. In other words, he leaves it in a place where somebody else might locate the damn thing, mm. which points out 
that he is a doofus. <laughs> you you brought up some, uh, one of the few things I had a little problem with with the story and its resolution, and is that I thought, well, not really the problem with. I just felt that, that it could have used a at least a scene of him actually interacting with Hillary Brooke in a way that would suggest that. Mm-hmm. You know, with him trying to be a little charming or something. Yeah. Or actually, I, yeah, what I think would have been better would have been a scene where maybe she slightly responds to him. Not to make you think like she's, or at least, you know, where she's... Some flirtation. A little flirtation, you know, to at least maybe you could see why he mm-hmm. would, might be encouraged to think that he might have a chance. Of, because there's, even, I don't remember there even they being don't even anything. Have a conversation. So, dialogue, so I thought that could have had a little more weight yeah. to it if, if they had shown him some some even one yeah. scene between them that had kind of hinted that either there's a mutual flirta- a mutual yeah. attraction or that he's definitely interested in her and then it might tie in a little better with the ending where they're I saying mean, that he had this because otherwise it really does sound like his plan was just really really half cocked you know yeah, the that only, was his plan was like I'm going to marry this girl who I've never <laughs> spoken to you know <laughs> the only time he does anything like with her is he didn't he kind of take her away when Sherlock t- tells Watson to give her a sedative? Whatever, yeah, maybe when one of her many hysterical only, scenes or whatever, yeah. maybe where they yeah. where he did that might be well, you know, something there. But. Yep. Well, when we get to the par- point where, through the use of the uh, the ritual and the and the chess the chess board on the floor, they reach an ancient wine cellar underneath everything. We get down in this crypt. Uh, it's discovered that uh, Brunton, who has a uh, Disappeared after well he was he was fired but then he mm. was he just disappeared nobody knew mm. exactly where he was well he's down there he's dead and uh, falling back on a a pretty a pretty time worn ruse Holmes discloses that Brunton has scrawled a message in his own blood before he died mm-hmm. not in his own blood yeah in his own blood no, that's what he, he says scratched the, he said he scratched four because he had dirt under his fingernail he scratched it into the did he say his own blood in the I story. Th- Thought he said blood at some point too. Yeah, I think. Maybe. I thought he said look under his feet. He said something about looking under. If his only Charlie the Raven was here, he could tell. He us. could tell. It's us. true. He could anyway. But Mr. Blood. regardless, blood, blood, blood. <laughs> so he gives everybody the impression that he's uh, he covers it with a he covers it Ooh. so that nobody can mm-hmm. disturb it. Mm-hmm. And then gives everyone the oh, impression. I sure hate that for the killer to come down here. I sure hate for someone to come down here and stomp on this. I have a question. As many times. Yes, I have a real question. Which is? <laughs> as many times as uh, Watson has, like, he's accused him of being fumbling and bumbling and yeah. giving the game away, how did he keep Watson from, like, saying, there's nothing there? <laughs> oh, that's just it. That's I don't think it. even Watson... Watson I, was, I don't think Watson had it. Had, I don't think Watson could have seen it. Which is why I think he covered it be as quickly as he could with that damn. Because <laughs> he even says at one point that he keeps he kind of kept Watson in the dark on yes. you know, because he knew he did, he, yeah, if he anybody could, would yeah. get the game away, it'd be Watson. Or, you know, he, he even he says that when he's yeah, confronting exactly. the killer, he's like, "Oh, no, I made sure nobody knew about this." <laughs> yeah. So because if I get, I thought what he Watson was right over his shoulder. Maybe he was further away than I thought. Well, I mean, it's. Got to keep it. If, if, if you're going to be fooling everybody and trying to get the killer, you can't tell Watson about it. <laughs> then, of course, what I love is that it turns out that he did tell Watson because yeah, yeah, Watson yeah. is there with uh, the Scott and the other cops. Gun, yeah. <laughs> and the killer tries to yeah. wiggle his way out of the crypt. And it's like, yeah, not going to happen, buddy. Yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about this for a second because this is an odd thing. And it's one of the things that if you, once you notice it, you start to wonder, there's another thing that I'm going to be watching for in the rest of these Holmes mm. films with the, with kind of a different eye. 
Once again, this is a case where the culprit is revealed to be a friend or associate of the doctor. Mm. Of Watson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's that's like, very, yeah, that's yeah, that's a good, to good, be fairly <laughs> good point. I had not even thought of that. That's actually very true. <laughs> it's like, Watson hung, hang out like, with some like Watson, questionable characters. What, yeah, I was about to say, you know, when you see <laughs> those, Watson's past there, he apparently ran with a pretty rough I know. crowd. You start, to, you, start to, you start to wonder what's going on here. <laughs> what happened in the war? What are you really doing? <laughs> were you running guns? I mean, were you really in the military? I mean, <laughs> he was in the military. Let me check your paper. Buddy. He just had some other stuff going on. <laughs> now, what I love is that in the, the original short story, the treasure was the lost king's crown, the king mm. of England's crown, right. mm-hmm. which, of course, has been the treasure in about 105,000 uh, yes, yeah. stories over the years. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, but it being a land grant entitling the Musgraves to thousands of uh, acres of uh, local countries, of the local countryside, uh, that's, that's, that's cooler. I think that's a better a better thing, and of course, it does give them the opportunity to 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 have the uh, the, the pretty well off Musgrave Musgrave inheritor to say no to this. But I just remembered what he says. I'm a devil. Oh, the bird. Mm-hmm. Yes, Charlie. That's the other thing oh, he says. Oh, that's devil. right. Devil. Yeah. Good, uh, good. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I like that bird. <laughs> <laughs> This is my heir, Sally has to recite a sort of formula over Jeff's body in front of the fireplace in the library in the presence of the entire household. Well, that's better. Just what sort of formula? Oh, it's not meaningless words. Musgrave ritual, they call it. So family custom has been handed down for generations. You remember the words? No, no, not at all. But you had to speak them when your brother Jeffrey took over. Yes, if that's right, I did. Let me see now. Who first shall find it were better dead. Who next shall find it perils his head. The last to find it defies dark powers. Who first shall find it were better dead. Who next shall find it perils his head. The last to find it defies dark powers and brings good fortune to Hurlston Towers. Where was the light on the face of the messenger? Where did he speed to guard the queen's page? What foeman advanced the bishop's page rashly? And who to repel the king's cautious page? What then the... Disaster. Queen slaughters Page. No, no. Sorry, Miss Sally. Page slaughters Page. Thank you, Branton. Who came then to slay him? The bloodthirsty bishop. Where shall he go? Deep down below. Away from the thunder, let him dig under. We've already talked about how, why this, 
why Doctor Sexton thought he was going to be able to like horn, horn in on uh, yeah. on Sally and actually marry her yeah. is is that's the most fanciful thing. It's like if there had actually turned out to be a supernatural element, this element to this story, that would still be <laughs> more believable. You're right. <laughs> oh Lord. I'm going to ask this question to both of you. Which do you think was the most obvious red herring? For me, the most obvious, mm-hmm. that person is not the killer, is the poor sucker with the knitting, knitting needles. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when his his defensive mode is to pretend that he's fallen asleep in a chair. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. oh, I don't know. Usually those are the most dangerous. <laughs> Got to watch those guys. <laughs> Got to watch those guys. Well, he, but here's the thing. They're, they even, if you're if you're really watching the film for the first time and you're really trying to figure out who the killer mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. his knitting needles are the closest thing we get to. Once you start getting those clues, like the mm-hmm. the fact that they that there's this this long sur- possibly surgical needle that's been used to actually kill the two Musgrave brothers. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the knitting needles are like well that's close but it's like aha no that makes it an obvious red herring <laughs> you're trying to link some the only like actual trait that we know about this character to yeah. the murder weapon no 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 clearly no 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 <laughs> you could see that you could you could show pictures of this guy like shooting somebody and it had the murder weapon having been a gun and be like nope that means he's not the murderer you're lying you're definitely lying to me now so which which of the red herrings was like the most obviously not the killer. Mm. I don't know yeah. if I can think of a specific uh, instance, you know, or scene, other than just to say that I never at any point really thought any of the patients were the killers. I, I liked the way that it was setting them up as, and having them act suspiciously at times or, you know, yeah. weird things to just, I, I liked the way it was setting them up as more suspects, but I don't think I ever really believed at any point that, that any of them were going to be it, you know, were going to, to be the killer. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, now that you asked that question, I'm like, well, who did, who did I really think? That, that, that yeah. really is the question. Yeah. yeah. Who do you really, while you're watching the movie, who do you really think is the most likely killer? I thought it was going to be something out of left field, to tell you the truth. And it was, because the movie lied. <laughs> because it lied, it lied. It lied at us. Lied right to our freaking faces. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll, I mean, I mean, it could have even been, been her. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if she... Well, oh, that would have been a twist. Yes, if she would. killed both of them off, then she inherits, mm-hmm. and she can go away with her American and just, you know... Mm-hmm. Have the place rise to the ground. And raise short little children. And... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just being mean now. And, uh, that was that was that was not that was cruel. I'll, I'll admit that was cruel. I'm sorry, Milbert Stone, the ghost of Milbert Stone. Poor fella. We all know you. You knew you were short too. Come on. I just couldn't. I mean. I couldn't see Bronson kill Bronson. Bronson. Well, because again, he's the yeah. butler. Just you know, say the butler. Yeah, yeah. the butler. The butler. The butler. He's just you know. I mean, just physicality wise, he couldn't have. I don't think he could have accomplished. Oh, uh, he would have been too drunk to even. <laughs> exactly. Like, how's he going to hit that smaller target with a needle? I thought his wife might could have been. Yeah, she was no, that would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they had like had her being nurse and her. 
previous reincarnation. Yeah. That would have been a good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That would have been a good trick. Yeah, it would have. It would have. So we're making up stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> so in relation to the four films, the four Sherlock Holmes films that we've we've watched so far in this mm. series, uh, where does this one fall for you? Of, of the four. Is this you know? Is this your favorite? Your least favorite? Is this the one that you know? So far, mm-hmm. do you do you which one do you prefer? Which one do you think is better of the four that we've watched so far? We'll take that one first. Babe. There's there's Voice of Terror. Mm-hmm. There's uh, uh, Washington in Washington and the weapon, the... Uh, secret weapon. I have to vote for this one as best because of his hair. <laughs> that, that is a big plus. That is a big plus. Yes, having Sherlock Holmes look like he's not in a windstorm is a plus. This is probably second so far to me, and only because uh, in Washington was such a nice surprise. I mean, my my, you know, Washington, Sherlock Holmes in Washington, because of you know we were kind of hurrying to get to, we were looking forward to getting to the creepier films like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, taking him out of his milieu and putting him in Washington, you know, as, as a general idea, uh, didn't it really? appealed to me that much but I ended up really enjoying you know being okay. impressed by a lot of what that film did um, but I really actually this is definitely close to that one it just definitely falls second to me I really like a lot of what they did story wise and a lot of just the weird I like just a lot of the character touches I think this is one of the best for just character mm-hmm. little quirks and oddities and just weird yeah. little asides and things you know that I think kind of and 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 the and again the supernatural things that are just there for window dressing you know that are just fun yeah um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think this was probably just 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 slightly behind uh, Sherlock Holmes in Washington so far in these four that we've seen is the one, the one I like the best. I think this one might be the one I like. I, there's more I like better than this. Oh but yeah, there, me too. But so far, this might mm. be one I like the best because it to me it does feel like more like the Sherlock that I sure. really the like, and mm. so it seems like. Mm. And plus, that? it was it it. I know it didn't follow it exactly. But it it was a very Conan Doyle arc. Yeah, it really does. It's the first one, I hate to put it this way, but it's the first one to actually feel like it's an adaptation of a Conan Doyle story. Mm-hmm. It really, mm-hmm. it is the first one to feel that way to me. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that, that gives it a plus. But I have to admit, to me, so far of the four, this is number two for me, too. But mm-hmm. I kind of prefer... Voice of Terror. Really, I really there's something about it, even mm-hmm. though I don't think it works as as well as it should as a Sherlock Holmes story. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a it's a rip roaring hell of a film, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it got the series off to a really good start. Mm-hmm. It's like they they really did as much as possible to get this series a successful mm-hmm. beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, that one's still hanging around in my head as uh, as the better yeah. one so far. The the female performance in there that yes. I still remember. I, mm-hmm. Some of these movies I can't even remember, but I remember that one female performance in it, and that that kind of makes it stand out. Yeah. So. I, th- I think that, like I say, this is my... I would put this number two. Hmm. Cool. Cool. Uh, by the way, I just want to say I've got a, a quick, uh, a fun drinking game to suggest to our <laughs> listeners is, uh, when watching these films is every time that Sherlock Holmes says, hello, what's this? Take a drink. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh, I had no, I haven't really noticed that. I mean, yes. I can I can hear Basil Rathbone say oh, that oh. as you say. And it may just be this film in particular, but it just mm. seems like at least five or six times. Yeah. Hello, what's this? Yeah. I wish, I wish it could be the Raven going. I'm a devil. Blood. Yeah, I'm a devil. <laughs> I'm a devil. I'm a devil. I'm a devil. <laughs> I'm a devil. <laughs> I'm gonna have to drop. I'm gonna have to get a clip of that and drop it in the film. There you go. Drop it right in this show. Um. 
Uh, well, all right. Well, let's get to Critics Corner, which is one of my favorite aspects of this. Thank goodness that uh, the Universal Horrors book actually collected a few of these things because some of these are a blast. Hold on to your socks, folks. <laughs> In Sherlock, oh, this is uh, <clears throat> from the Hollywood Reporter, September second, nineteen forty-three. They get an advanced screening of it, and what do they do? They got to badmouth this movie. Oh man! How dare? See if they get another one. Yeah. <laughs> In Sherlock Holmes faces death. Axis spies and saboteurs are not his antagonists, and probably will not be again for the duration. As a matter of fact, the latest feature returns Holmes to Doyle, or at least its story is less streamlined and closer to the Musgrave Manor original. Some loose ends are left unexplained in the solution, and the yarn doesn't move quite as fast as several of its predecessors, yet Sherlock Holmes Faces Death should make a very good showing at the box office. Now see those loose ends? That would be the clock. Yeah. yeah. Explain to me the clock. (laughs) No, explain to me how he thought he was going to get married. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean... They try to get away with that by having Holmes refer to him as an egomaniac. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that is actually okay. That that actually is kind of bad. You know, it's not a bad like papering yeah. over of the mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know lump of potato man thinking he's going to get the hot chick. So yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's see. From the New York Daily News, October eighth. She hung around a while. This is from Wanda Hale. She says uh, two stars. Not one of the better Holmes mysteries. We suspect almost from the beginning the identity of the murderer, and we were right. Wow. You're a lying woman because the movie lied right to <laughs> your That's face. Right. <laughs> lying, Miss Hale. <laughs> uh, let's see. The New York Times, October 8th. Theodore Strauss. I know who you were You were, you were hoping that. Oh, was I was thought it was going to be our buddy Bosley. And it wasn't. Not this time. It's Theodore. You got to get used to Theodore, maybe. I think he may turn up more. Theodore later. Strauss is a pretty good critic's name, too. So. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely, you can definitely hear it said yeah. Strauss. Strauss. <laughs> Theodore Strauss. <laughs> Not Ted. <laughs> That's my brother. <laughs> Universal, which likes to shoot the works on a bloody tail, has done just that in Sherlock Holmes faces death. Mr. Holmes moves with absolutely mathematical precision and the clipped preemptory tones of Basil Rathbone. And Nigel Bruce carries on nobly. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jolly good. Uh, <laughs> jolly good. <laughs> the motion picture herald. Uh, September 11th, 1943, Jack Cartwright measures up well with the best of the three turned out last season. Producer-director Roy William Neal left nothing to be desired in suspense, action, and portrayal of the true Holmes and Watson characters in this in his direction. Not, true really, the true, not really the true Watson character, but, you know, true, like to, Holmes, true to the movie. They're nailing Holmes. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. But the Watson, Watson of the stories so would not have dozed off in the chair. No. no <laughs> he would have been walking around making sure he was awake. Yeah. But nevertheless, so... Uh, the, the Watson from the stories would not be, like, apprehensive of actually putting a loaded gun in his hand. <laughs> like this Watson. <laughs> <laughs> this one fails always like, why do they keep giving Watson might, a loaded gun? <laughs> he might scratch his skirt of the people's <laughs> gonads clean off. Who knows? <laughs> oh, Holmes, it, it appears I'm bleeding to death. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry about the mess of the floor. Right? God. <laughs> I wish I had some of that bubble gum I had in the Washington and could just paper right over this problem. <laughs> Lord. <clears throat> the next Sherlock Holmes film. We actually, the, and this is the, we are of course continuing to use the Universal Horrors uh, book by uh, uh, Weaver and the Brunus Brothers 
as our guide through this uh, this thread of shows on the Universal Horror Films of the 1940s. And so we don't have it. Our next film is not a Sherlock Holmes film. It's, it's gonna, it breaks it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just wanted to warn you now that it is not available on Blu-ray. Oh, okay. And it is a film that I have not seen in nigh on 30 years. Mm. It is only available on DVD, which means that uh, it's going to feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to backtrack in that way. Yeah. But the, the next film in this in this run of films is uh, Flesh and Fantasy. Oh, my gosh. I've never seen that. Oh, you haven't? No. It's an anthology film. Oh, okay. Oh. Yes. Very cool. I don't know that I've ever seen oh, that. Oh, it's a good, folks. Uh, let me just uh, rattle off some of the people who are in it. Uh, Edward G. Robinson. Mm, cool. <laughs> yeah. C. Aubrey Smith, who I know you may not know that name, but you're going to know the face of me <laughs> immediately. Edgar Berry, Robert Benchley. <laughs> oh, the gowns are done by Vera West. That's weird. Well, hmm. I think we read that <laughs> name. Oh, wow. So odd. What a shock. Charles Boyer, Barbara <laughs> oh, wow. Stanwyck. Damn. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, if you guys have not never seen... Not people from well, Universal's hard. Not, not people exactly. from the usual... Flesh and Fantasy if memory serves, always felt to me like they were trying to do a, a scary picture on an A budget. That's Yeah, that's what I would picture if they got yeah. those kind of people in there. It's like, they must have put more money into this than... It's a... It's a heck of a film. It's one of those that, if it were... I, I, can't, I don't understand why it hasn't been... Yeah, I mean, it's only been put out on DVD. Yeah. And it, not even like a massive release. It's one of those, uh, I believe it's a DVD-R even. It's one of those, you know, burn-on-demand burn discs really? that they put out. Wow. And I guess it's because uh, it doesn't really have any of the big horror stars in it. Hmm. You know, it's got Edward G. Robinson, but, yeah. you know, if you're an Edward G. Robinson fan, you're looking for the crime movies. Mm-hmm. You're looking for things like, you know, hmm. him, him playing a gangster or him playing a criminal of some sort or something along those lines. You're not looking for him to be in a... A creepy anthology horror film from the mm. mid forties, mm. but or a cop, huh? Or a cop? <laughs> I don't know. He can play a cop. <laughs> yeah. <I'll> see. <laughs> Didn't we see just see one where he was a cop? Yes, yes, we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, Edward G. Robinson, as far as I'm concerned, I go, I could watch Edward G. Robinson eat grapes. Oh, and yeah. perfectly entertained. <laughs> oh yeah, but, that guy's you know. great. So, uh, ap- but after Flesh for Fantasy, we still don't get back to the Sherlock Holmes films because after Flesh for Fantasy. We go right into one that uh, I would have, you know, a few years ago, if we if we'd been doing this series of podcasts five or even ten years ago, I would have said that the film after Flesh, Flesh and Fantasy would be one that has been kind of overlooked and isn't uh, isn't being given its due. But I'm starting to have seen that turn around a lot because after Flesh for Fantasy, Flesh and Fantasy, it's uh, Son of Dracula. Oh, so yeah. we won't be yeah we won't wow, be getting good. back to the to the Sherlock Holmes stuff for a little while. So and we, and that still won't take us out of 1943. Yeah. <laughs> so prepare yourself. <laughs> well, good. I'm looking forward to to Son of Dracula. I haven't haven't watched that purposely in a long time. You know, just knowing that we were going to get to it at some point. You know, it's, it's been a long time since I watched that one. So. I think I OD'd on it years back when mm-hmm. I had it. It's one of the ones I ended up with on VHS, and so I just I know I watched it repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially for the you know the kind of creepy swamp the kind of creepy swamp vibe that it yeah, has. Yeah. Uh, be a good double feature with the creepy swamp mummy movie. I was going to say, what if that's the same feature. swamp the mummy ended up in? Oh, uh, probably. The ends up in. Uh, uh, okay, well, actually, I had one more thing to say about our actual film oh, discussion sorry, yeah, tonight. Just to, uh, 
not trying to end things on a downer vibe, but the whole, uh, I just want to say something about the last speech that Holmes makes. You know, these films typically end yeah. with him making an optimistic speech about humanity. And this one kind of struck me <clears throat> as odd, and, and I think it could have only slipped through if, if the intention was to slip it through, because, you know, in, in this particular time it was, was made because the last speech he makes has some really serious socialist <laughs> overtones, you know, to yeah. it. Yeah, oh yeah. And I, I, I think the only reason it was, uh, and it's, 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 I, I mean, there's a bit of, it's bittersweet too, because he's talking about, you know, someday there'll be a world where, you know, basically the opposite of the world we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. He's talking about a world where, you we're know, grab people, it, we're, 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 we'll leave behind grab and greed. And it's like, yeah, yeah not really. Sorry, not really. This is exactly, yeah. But, but uh, in general, you know, in films, especially on the Hollywood code, you know, you were not supposed to criticize Money making, big industry, you know the right. the greed because that was seen as a criticism of capitalism, uh-huh. and they were trying to weed out all the commies. I think it's only because at least I don't know what the writers intended, but I'm assuming the Hollywood, I'm assuming the studios saw this as a speech against dictators, saw this as an anti Hitler speech. But I'm reading it, I'm hearing it is like most definitely, and you know, and I'm hearing some real. Uh, like I said, some real workers' workers' rights kind of, you know, well, uh, every man kind of vibe going on here. You, you may know. be right because w- one thing you've got to take into account is who our allies were at the time in 1943. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That would be, that would be Russia. Russia. That's true. Yeah, that's true. The real Red Scare hadn't really started. No, yet. no, no. That was yeah. I wouldn't crank up until the late 40s, yeah. early 50s. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you know, mm-hmm. looking for commies under every yeah. you know, uh, under every bed, and yeah, yeah. the paranoia mm-hmm. cranked up to 11. And, mm-hmm. you know, so you know, what was mm-hmm. it? 47 or 49 when the Russians <laughs> tested their first atomic bomb and then we were off to the races with Red Scare paranoia just mm. insanity yeah but it did crack me up then that the very last thing you see I mean is is the buy bonds thing where it says you're not just remember you're not giving you're just lending so so even after we just had this whole speech about totally you know how we're all going to be unselfish mankind's going to be we're going to Flash this thing. We're going to ask you to buy. Oh, so we're going to remind you. You'll get your money back. You know, you're not. You're not giving. You're not giving anything away. <laughs> we know that what we just said is completely yeah. belied by the piece that you're reading on the screen right this second. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. But is the every every time that's flashed up there, I just I remember. Okay, 1943. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. we the we've got a we've got we're doing a, a careful rope walk yeah. across yeah, exactly. This yeah, this being a, a problem. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up. Uh, yeah. I would like to once again thank both of you, Troy. You're fun. Troy. You're suffering through the entire run. Beth only has to suffer <laughs> through the Sherlock Holmes films. Bye bye. Are you guys gonna Are you guys gonna do? I've uh, got any uh, uh, shows on Holmes radio shows planned anytime coming? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that we'll put it out right after this episode, but yeah, we, there there are several adaptations of the Musgrave Ritual, and some of them are pretty darn good. Yeah, I was gonna ask if y'all, but you're saying you might cover that in the next episode. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So I won't ask you what your which ones you like best. You can save that for the episode then. So uh, yeah. And there's cool. like, have you listened to some? To the Musgrave Ritual versions? Yeah. No, Ooh. I'm not. Oh, I've only listened to one. The one I listened to I enjoyed, but I, I don't... Lord knows she's been on the hunt, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. Yeah, I've, listened, I've got several options awesome. that are actually the Musgrave Ritual, but I'm trying to find something along that line in a second one, so... Something... Well, like, like I said, we only, pick, out, pick out your favorite, and then we'll throw something else in there as well. So. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to find right now. 
Cool. All right. Well, everyone, cool. thank you once again for listening to the show. Uh, we do uh, we do ramble a bit when we talk about <laughs> these yeah. films. Well, you know, it's bad enough when there are only two of us. You add a third person <laughs> and it just goes off the rails. Exactly. Oh On purpose. <laughs> but uh, remember, if you want to add your voice to the cacophony, the email address is thebloodypit at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we do do the occasional episode where we just go through the emails. So keep that in mind. I'm stocking them up, storing them away, mm-hmm. and Lord knows we'll eventually do one where we just do 45 mm-hmm. minutes of nothing but emails. Mm-hmm. It's weird. <laughs> but once again, thank you for listening. Let us know what you think. And uh, I guess we'll all talk to you again soon. I'm Troy Gwynn. I'm Beth Morris. And I'm Rod Barnett, and we will talk to you again next time. Raven. You're a devil, are you? A kettle, are you? I'm a devil.